Uh, you know, Josh and I met a few months ago. Um, I was so impressed with what Josh and Myron and everyone else is doing. My comment was, I'm here to serve. Anytime you need me, call, I'll be here. And we did have some other meeting come up. It was like, I'm out. I'll be back later. I'll be back to that meeting later because this is important, especially on the eve of MLK Junior Day. And I'll, I'll obviously tie my remarks into that. Uh, but I have been able to work, very fortunate to work for some amazing brands over the years. But I was really excited about coming here to work for Scooter's Coffee. I see something in it that perhaps other people didn't see. And, you know, we're not this little coffee company here anymore. If you don't know, uh, we've started to really grow in other parts of the country. And I'll talk about that a little bit. So the first thing is I think you have to be mission-driven. And this theme of dream together is important to me. But I think also looking at your mission and for me, companies that not only have a mission, but live their mission is what matters most. And so when I talked to Josh and I heard this mission about re revitalizing the inner city one neighborhood at a time, I'm like, that's the important stuff. But as a company, for a, as a for-profit company, we also have to have a mission. And it is to create an amazing experience for each life we touch. It's not just about selling a cup of coffee out the window, because anybody can do that. And you don't want to become this large, homogenized brand. Been there, done that. So that's a real challenge for us as we grow. Does everyone truly have the heart to do what we're doing? Just like Abide has to say and look people in the eye, do you have the heart for doing what's required? It's hard work. You know, you got to put in the work. So let me start by telling you a little bit about Scooter's Coffee. So we're at 754 stores now. Did anyone, any of you know that? So 55 in the Omaha area, but we're now in 31 states. We actually opened our 750th store in Frisco, Texas. Uh, and why that's relevant is that if you didn't see, we hosted a college football ball game. How crazy was that? No coffee company's ever done that. And so the quick story is um, ESPN approached us last year about sponsoring this ball game, but it was September 7th. I'm like, the, the game's in like 90 days. Can't pull that off. And I thought we'd missed our opportunity, but they were no negotiating with another company. It fell apart. They came back to us June 15th of this year. And I said, we're doing it. In fact, I was driving to Lincoln and on the phone with Don Eccles, the co-founder of Scooter's Coffee, and I'm telling him about it, getting him hyped up, and he's like, well, well, can we do it? Can we afford it? Can we pull it off? Like, oh, we're doing it. I'm just, I already signed the contract. Let's, it's happening. And the, it was our first real branding moment. But while we're there, we were intentional about opening our 750th store there with a local franchise owner. So just some really fun stuff happening with the brand. Obviously, we're proud of what we've done here in Omaha. But as we grow, we want to be really intentional about how we grow. And that really gets to who we are. It's building a different kind of company. If you always put profits first, that's all you're ever going to get. And we have to really think about, are these decisions truly good for our stakeholders? Franchisees first, our internal employees, and then ultimately the customer that we serve. And if it's not a good business decision, we're not going to do it. Um, we can always make more money, but you can't build more loyalty unless you really focus on the customer. A uh, couple of other things that's what's great about franchising, you let people pursue their dreams. 
So what's cool with 754 stores, we actually have 183 franchisees. So only average four stores per owner. And we believe that's the strength of our system. You know, if you go to McDonald's and Subway, or people own three, four, or 500 stores. And it's actually an impersonal business model. So our franchisees literally open one store and then the next and then the next. And we have a couple that are pretty large, but they've done it over 15, 20 years. But they literally know every store manager, every district manager. So it becomes personal to those communities. What I also love about franchising is you can say in a legitimate way, it's local. It's personal. We want them to be part of the community, and we're building a foundation to help drive that as well. I think it's also important that we talk about who we are. We have four core values, integrity, love, humility, and courage. That's it. And we go through that lens not only for employees, but for franchisees as well. And if they don't fit that model, then they're not fit for our business. You have to truly believe in those things. And it's all under this umbrella of kindness. Now, we know what's about to happen in 2024, right? Election year. <laughs> We've been down this road before. And we feel like in our space, our little space of the world, we can generate a message of kindness. And the thing that I always talk about with kindness, and we were going through this as an executive team, that of our four core values, which one matters most? They're all important, but love kind of rises to the top. And we were talking about our foundation and what's the, the basis for it, and we were talking about how do we build it around love. And I said the only thing as powerful as love is, it can be hijacked. You can love things that aren't good for you, like pizza and cake. You can love things that aren't universally loved, like hunting or stealing. or you know, it's, So you don't want it to be something people can hijack. Kindness can't be hijacked. You know what it is when you hear it, you know what it isn't. Whether you agree with it or not, you know what it is. And so we want to build this message, and you'll start to see it in our stores. In fact, you may have noticed a few stores around Omaha where the logo changed on the building. It's actually a smiley. So check that out the next time you're driving around town. We've done about 12 stories of the 55. That's an intentional decision. So 25 years ago when Scooter's Coffee started, Linda Eccles, co-founder, would put a smiley sticker on the top of every cup. She's been doing that all these years. And they never built any equity around it. So about a year ago, I said to Don and Linda, why don't you just change the logo to that? We're like, that's a good idea. So we're on that journey right now. Uh, and I think it was important because companies don't, you should never change your logo arbitrarily. There needs to be a message behind it. So Smiley's going to drive this message around kindness. So much more to come, but we're really proud of who we are at our core, but keeping that as we grow is so important. Uh, and then finally, this intention that we have of making people's day. Right? We you know, worked for Starbucks for 11 years, and people don't really want a social message with their cup of coffee. They want their cup of coffee. And that's really our intention. You know, We are about kindness. We're about making people's day a big cup of coffee, big smile. Tell them to have an amazing day. Tell them to scoot on around. Tell them to have an amazing day. And, and that's so important because as we grow, we're going to move into markets that don't know our brand, people that don't know our brand. And the more consistent we are, I think that'll help us uh, accelerate. So uh, let me talk about MLK Day. 
And I actually want to do a little bit of trivia with you. Um, so this year, MLK Day is celebrated actually on his birthday, as you know, January 15th. How old would MLK be if he was alive today? He'd be 95 years old uh, next Monday. So it is conceivable with everything that's happened that he could still be living today. How amazing is that? And think about his body of work at the age of 39. And that's incredible. Does anyone know how old MLK was when he started college? He was 15 years old when he went to Morehouse, uh, Morehead College, Morehouse, sorry, um, in Atlanta, uh, which is where you know, his father had gone as well. Does anyone know who Isola Ware Curry is? Has anyone heard this name before? Isola Ware Curry. So Isola Ware Curry was someone who went to a book signing that MLK did in 1958 in Harlem. And he's doing this book signing, and she'd had some mental uh, issues. But as she's in line, she approaches the table and says, are you MLK Jr.? And he says, yes. And she pulled out an envelope opener and stabbed him in the chest. You ever heard this story? He was rushed to the hospital, and the doctor said if it was an inch over, he wouldn't be with us. This was 1958, 10 years earlier. And he survived that to obviously go on and build the legacy over the next decade. What was MLK Jr.'s birth name? Did you know he was not born Martin Luther King Jr.? He was actually born Michael King Jr. His father was actually the Reverend Michael King Sr. But on one of his pilgrimages, pilgrims, he went to Germany and he studied a Protestant leader, Martin Luther. And he was so inspired that when he came back, he re renamed him Martin Luther King Jr. He was five years old at that time. He didn't actually change his birth certificate until he was well into his 20s, but that's how his name came to be. He was born Michael King Jr. MLK Jr. was touted as the pastor of the famous Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, but he wasn't actually the pastor. Did you know that? Do you know who the pastor was? It's a little bit of a trick question. His dad. MLK Sr. was the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church from 1931 to 1975. So before, during, and after MLK Jr. Now, technically, MLK Jr. was a co-pastor, but, you know, there, there's levels to this. There is a pastor. He had, uh, MLK Sr. had many co-pastors over the years, but his son was one of them. And then finally, how many times did MLK Jr. and Malcolm X meet? Does anyone know this question? One time. You know when that one time was? They actually met at a Senate hearing in 1965. They both went to D.C. Uh, for a Senate hearing on race relations. And they actually met. There's a photo of them meeting that one time. They were together for one minute. One minute. It's the only time they ever crossed paths the entire time. And obviously their most messages were different. Um, but just so fascinating, given all the things that happened during that time, one minute. So final thing is just thinking about, you know, the I, I have a dream speech. There's so many things that are relevant about it. First of all, you know, slavery ended in 1863, Emancipation Proclamation. 
And when he delivered that speech, you probably know this, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, you know, in, in the spirit of the president who signed off on it 100 years earlier, that was pretty symbolic, just as much as it was the, you know, 17-minute speech, 1,667 words that he shared that day. But did you also know that slavery didn't actually end officially in 1863? It was actually almost two and a half years later before the last state finally acknowledged slavery ending, which happened to be Texas, in June of June of 19, 1865, which is how we have Juneteenth. So, boy, that's a lot, a lot to unpack, right? A lot has happened. And so it makes this question, are we on the right path? Have we done all the right things? And more importantly, what role do we play? You know, as individuals, as families, as communities, as businesses? And the answer is, of course, it takes all of us. We have to all work together to figure this out. And that's where I get excited about my opportunity is the things we do in life shouldn't be about us. It's about the platform it gives us to help other people, to send a message, hopefully a message of hope. You know, I've talked to people about hopelessness, and it's hard for people to grasp that have never been in that place. Right? They say, just, well, just do this. When you are hopeless, someone can give you the door to walk through, and you don't have the mental acuity to process it, right? How many times in your household did you hear, or friends, or family, never going to amount to anything? Ever heard that one? What that does, right, the steps backwards that it takes in a child's life, you got to do some repair to get them ready for the future, and... I think there's a role that we all play in building hope for each other. And sometimes the only thing a person has is hope. Taking that away is, is very dangerous. So in my professional career, in my personal career, it's all about building hope and helping people forward. So. One more time, can we give it up? Yeah. 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 Yeah.